and welcome to our experimental mini-season. For this five-part series, you'll be joining myself and Olivia White as we delve into the experimental dark abyss of horror. Instead of taking an extended break during the European tour, we thought we'd try out something new. We'll be taking this mini-season in directions outside of the usual mandate of the No Sleep podcast to see what lands and what doesn't. Some episodes of this mini-season are not for the faint of heart. Some are not for the squeamish. It's not mandatory listening. Each episode has a theme revealed in the title. If that theme isn't for you, then please don't feel obliged to sit through it as you would a regular episode. Not every episode will plumb the darkest depths of horror, but some will. We will, as usual, provide trigger warnings for each of the stories. But again, we stress, this mini-season is experimental. There's no shame in changing the channel and adjusting your sets. If you'd prefer to wait for service to resume as normal, then our next full season, season 14, will begin in February, and we'll see you then. If you're still here, and intend on joining us for this episode, then I'm Jessica McAvoy, and this is The New Decade. Good evening, Sleepless. As you've probably noticed, this isn't The New Decade Episode 4, but rather Episode 3.5. Why? because the theme of this episode is disasters. Disasters can strike anytime, anywhere. And this week they struck us, with Olivia being deathly ill with the flu and Phil getting stranded in an Amsterdam airport due to flight cancellations. Therefore, and since Suddenly Shocking is also releasing this weekend for season pass holders, we've decided to celebrate these disasters by releasing two stories from season 12 previously only heard by those who held a pass for that season. We apologize for this interruption in our broadcast. The New Decade will return next week with some stories that might feel... alien to listeners. And we highly appreciate the support the mini-season has received so far. So much so that we couldn't help but feature a mid-season screw-up just to make it feel like a real podcast. The final two episodes are heading into production as we speak, so don't worry. There's no chance of further destruction. We hope. There are always meteors and lightning strikes we can't predict. Anyway, on to the stories. In our first tale, we meet a man who works a job that some would love and some would hate. He's in charge of a lighthouse operating the beacon to keep ships safe. To some, this kind of isolated employment would be a nightmare. To others, it'd be a romantic notion. In this tale shared with us by author Patrick Brickhouse, romance is far from our narrator's mind, though. After all, his wife's deceased. But is that her ghost appearing by the shore? Performing this tale are Mike Delgadio and Graham Rowett and Dan Zapula and Atticus Jackson. So keep the light running and look out to sea, but be careful what washes up on the beach. At least when you hear stories from lighthouse keepers. 
I started my shift like I did most nights, right at 11 p.m. on the dot. I saw Connor waiting on the shoreline near the lighthouse. Light fog over the water was a little thicker than normal, but it wasn't enough to raise suspicions, I'll tell you that. I hopped into my creaky little rowboat and started on my way to the island where the lighthouse stood. For some reason, something made the water feel almost, uh, thicker. I don't know if that makes sense, but it felt like it was harder to row than usual. At first I thought I'd just been getting weaker. Maybe old age was catching up to me. But the feeling overall was that the water was fighting against me. It was strange. I reached the shoreline at the lighthouse and Connor walked up the spiral staircase with me to go over what was needed to be done that night. He'd trimmed the wicks already, but the lens needed more cleaning since there was some dimming in the light. Not enough to put a ship in peril, you see, but if I didn't clean it now, it'd only get worse. Then I actually would have a problem on my hands, and about 50 bodies floating in the water. Nobody wants that. We didn't get many ships out in our waters, but the ones we did get were big, and they carried large crews to match the size. Usually fishing or shrimp in boats, but again, we really didn't get that many ships out here all that often out here to guide. It was just a quiet lighthouse along a restless but quiet sea. The windows looked like they needed a good scrub, so I decided to make it a point to take care of that too. I walked Connor down to his boat and during our idle chit-chat he mentioned that he thought he'd seen someone standing near the shoreline next to his boat. Graham, I think it looked like... like Susan. I'll admit, I got a little upset with him when he said that, but I let him finish. He said he called out to her, but she was just standing there. He did a quick check of the wick and the fuel before taking a moment to run downstairs and open the bottom door to go outside. He said when he opened it and looked, he saw his boat sitting on the shoreline, but she wasn't there anymore. Connor, come on, that's not possible. Susan's been gone for over six years now. I tried my best to keep a calm smirk, but the mention of her name always chipped out little pieces of my very sanity, I tell you. I know that, Graham, I know. But I swear it looked just like her. Even if it wasn't, I just wanted to know how she or anyone could have gotten over to the shoreline without taking a boat. And where in the blue hell did she go off to afterward? Alright, that's enough, Con. It wasn't her. It wasn't anyone. Your mind's just as foggy as the damn water tonight. Go home. Get some rest. I gotta get back up there now. Connor put a hand on my shoulder. I'm sorry, I am. I know it's a sore subject with you. I miss her too. Just keep your eyes open, okay? Even if it wasn't what I thought it was, it could still be something. Being out here alone all night still isn't safe. So bolt that damn door when you go back in. I'll see you tomorrow night, Con. I waved him off and he waved back as he got in and rode into the fog towards the shoreline. The fog was so thick now that he simply disappeared into it, until all I could see was the small yellow light of his lantern drifting off like a little firefly towards the shore. Eventually, the little firefly disappeared too, and I was alone. I walked back into the lighthouse, and at Connor's request, I bolted the damned door behind me. I swear, he's a good friend, but his imagination, it's always running a little wild. Perhaps that's why I work the night shift, because people like Connor and Jim, who works the morning shift, would lose their minds in the dark, alone, up here. I climbed the long spiral staircase up to the top and started doing my initial checks, 
every once in a while gazing out into the open water to catch a breath or two and give my mind a long-winded breath of its own. That night, it was on Susan. <sighs> I couldn't stop thinking about her on any day, but that night, after what Connor said, just couldn't stop thinking about my love. Susan had been murdered in the night during my shift. Some foul man or woman had taken her from me. I never truly had an idea of who had done it or why, though I had my suspicions. The police had gone over to my house to investigate the complaints from the neighbors about the screams they'd been hearing. All they found was Susan, face down on the bed, the usually white nightgown covered in crimson from where the knife had entered her back. The very idea that she could be out here tonight was preposterous. She had been dead for over six years now. I saw her coffin lowered into the cold, wet, lonely ground. I was the first to pour dirt over my love and leave her to be covered by the rest of it. I left her all alone. I've always felt guilty for it. The people in town would talk and there were rumors that a man had been making advances towards Susan while I was at the lighthouse on my shift. But nothing ever came of it. Susan had never mentioned it to me. No man was found. Neither were answers. With another glance out over the water, I went ahead and started preparing the wash for the lens on the light. I walked over to the bucket on the other side of the octagonal room and reached down to grab it. It had come from outside, near the shore. There was something in the fog. I saw the firefly again the dim light of a rowboat lantern moving randomly over the water. At first I thought it must be Connor coming back for something he forgot, but as I let go of the bucket to get a better look, I could tell there was no way it could be Connor, or any rowboat lantern for that matter. The light was moving very quickly, almost skipping over the water in the deep fog. My curiosity peaked, I decided to investigate more closely. I quickly moved down the staircase to the bolted door, opened it up, and stepped out onto the rocky sand. I peered out into the fog, hoping to find the light I'd seen dancing around again. I saw it, yeah, but it wasn't darting around now. It was just sitting there, in the middle of the fog, bobbing in place. Now, the base of the lighthouse was always dark, so we had to have a few lanterns lit and ready to use, both outside and in. I reached over to the post near the door and grabbed a lantern, then began to head closer to the shoreline to see where the light was coming from. Before I made it more than a few steps, I noticed something out over the water in the fog. I could see the vague outline of what seemed to be a person standing over the water. I rubbed my eyes quickly and held up the lantern in front of me. The fog seemed even thicker than it was before. Who's there? Who's there? I swear I'm gonna... I stopped dead in my tracks. As I had gotten closer, the shape had also moved forward into my view. It looked like Connor. He was standing in the middle of the fog, but I couldn't see his face, just the outline of his clothes. But I knew it was him. I knew his shape. Connor? What on God's green earth? He didn't move a muscle, but I still couldn't see his face. Connor! You little shit, come on out of there! I let out an exasperated breath 
and as I did, something caught the corner of my eye. There, sitting on the shoreline, was Connor's rowboat, split almost entirely in two, bouncing in the shallow waves. After a few moments of shock, I turned back to where I thought Connor was standing. But before I could focus on it, a lantern flew out of the fog right past my head and crashed into the side of the lighthouse wall. There was no time to investigate. I turned to run back into my refuge, and all I could think about was just how strong the bolt on that damned door was. As I made it closer, I heard something behind me. Well, I didn't turn around. I ran straight through the doorway and shut it as quickly as I could and immediately ran up the spiral staircase and closed the door to the octagonal room. Against my better judgment, I ran over to the window overlooking the back of the lighthouse and out over the fog-covered bay. There was nothing there that I could see. In my panic, I hadn't noticed that the wailing sound had moved. It wasn't in the bay anymore. It was closer, right at the base of the lighthouse. As I listened to it more closely, I could tell that the cries were getting closer. But now, they sounded as if whoever was making the noise was walking slowly around the base of the lighthouse, circling it. I jumped up and ran to the other window that faced the open sea. Flinging it open, I jumped out onto the iron landing to see if I could look down and see who was causing all of this. Being up so high in my fortress gave me a sense of security, although it was absolutely a false one. I looked down through the iron floor grate, and there, standing on the shore in front of the sea, I saw the shape of Susan. I froze. I couldn't move. Was that really her? Was that really my love down there? She looked small from where I was standing up so high. I knew that beautiful brown hair, the soft white porcelain skin. I stared blankly, unable to control the words escaping my throat. Susan? Susan? Is that you? My words echoed over the open moonlit waves. Then there was silence, total silence. I couldn't hear the fire burning on the wick and the light. I couldn't hear the iron below my feet creaking to support my weight. I couldn't hear the waves rolling. It was dead silent. Until Susan slowly tilted her head up to look at me. At that moment, I knew that it wasn't Susan. The green eyes I knew so well six years ago were replaced with hollow, fully black eyes like a deer. The ruby-red lips that were burned into my memory were replaced with an eerily large, ear-to-ear, open maw. The look on that thing's face was something I'll never forget. I covered my open mouth with my hands and tried desperately to listen for any sound. The silence was deafening at that moment. All I could see were those dark, black eyes staring right at me. I started to back away towards the open window, and as I did, the thing let out a loud, breathy wail again. It was an agonizing sound. I covered my ears and backed closer to the window to start my way inside, but as I did, I saw it moving quickly toward the side of the lighthouse. It knew exactly where I was. It knew that I was alone, and it was heading for the bottom door. The same door that in my panic from before, I had forgotten to bolt shut. 
As I moved toward the door in the room to try and get down there quickly to lock it, the wick of the main light burned out. Damn it! I was surrounded by complete darkness with only the moonlight as a guide. I felt around for a lantern I could use. I knew there was no time. I had to feel my way out. I approached the wall and slid my fingers over the crease in the door. It was the sound of pure agony, and it wouldn't stop. My God, it just wouldn't stop. I flung the door open to the room as fast as I could and started down the stairs. I had no lights in the staircase, but I knew those steps like the back of my hand. I had to move fast. There was no time to worry about falling to my death, nor to consider whether I might welcome that instead of the alternative that waited for me on the other side of the door. As I reached the final few stairs, I stopped in horror as I noticed that the door was already cracked open. All I could see was the soft moonlight, the fog, and the dark shape of something moving slowly in front of the gap, peering inside. The wailing had stopped now. The thing was certainly there, though, watching me through the barely open doorway. I couldn't move. I was frozen. I was terrified. The thing was soundless, silent. All I could see was the outline of it, the shadow of it in the doorway. It wasn't moving now either, just watching me. As my eyes started to adjust, I began to make out the shape of its face. Oh God, I wish I had closed my eyes. It looked like Susan still, but it wasn't my Susan. It was her hair, her outline, her white dress that I buried her in. But the eyes, oh God, the eyes. There was an open black hole where her mouth should be stretched from ear to ear. I couldn't look away, much as I wanted to. It started to grin right before I closed the door. I didn't understand what was happening and I still couldn't move. What had I just seen? What was that thing and why was it looking at me? Why did it try to look like her? Susan! I called out before I had even realized I had opened my mouth to speak. I heard nothing. Pure, unnatural silence. Curiosity got the best of me, and despite my fear, I ran to the door to open it. I stepped out onto the bay shore. There was nothing there. The fog was thick and rolling over the water, and Connor's broken boat was still silently bobbing in the shallow waves. I must have stood on that shoreline for hours without moving. I barely noticed when Jim appeared through the fog on his rowboat. Graham! Hey, Graham! What in the hell are you doing down here? Why is the light out? I snapped back into clear thought as quickly as I could. Jim, hi. Hi, Jim. Uh, I'm so sorry. I I think I need to go now. I, I don't feel well. Damn right you don't feel well. You could have gotten someone killed leaving the light off like that. Especially in this damn fog. Fuck, Graham. Just go home. Go get some damn sleep. I looked at Jim as he started towards the bottom doorway and disappeared inside. And in a few moments, I saw the light dance back to life over the ocean. Who's right? 
I could have cost people their lives by not doing my job. I was lucky that no ships had come through. In any case, after the night I had, I needed to get some sleep or get drunk enough to pass out. I didn't want to think anymore. Somehow Jim didn't notice Connor's broken rowboat sitting on the shore. I guess he was too busy worrying about the light. I hadn't been back to work at the lighthouse for a couple days when the police showed up at my door. Graham, you in there? Open up. I'd been a bit of a hermit, and I didn't want to leave my house. I told my employer the morning after my, uh, experience that I needed some time, and he said he'd find someone to cover the night watch while I was out. My boss was a good man, and he knew that if I, of all people, needed time, it was for good reason. He didn't question me, and I was grateful for it. Graham, are you home? Come on, man. I hadn't talked to anyone for days. I'd stayed there in bed, drinking to help me sleep. I kept thinking about that night, about Susan. I was so incredibly sad, but I kept trying to figure out what it all meant. Yeah, I'll, I'll be right there. I'm sorry. I managed to stumble up and open the door. Yeah? Uh, sorry, what can I do for you, Ben? Graham, hey, I'm sorry to drag you out like that, but I wanted you to hear it from me. Or, well, I need to show you something. Get dressed and come with me, bud. I nodded and didn't bother to ask questions. I knew Ben well. He was the one who had found Susan that night. He wouldn't cause a stir over nothing. And I think, after that night, part of me had been expecting something like this. Ben took me to the rocky shore about five miles down the coast from the lighthouse. It was there, under a rocky cliff, that someone had found a body washed up on the shore. I raised a quizzical eyebrow as Ben explained this to me, finally breaking the silence he'd held on the journey over. Do you know who this is? Yeah, I know. And I was hoping you might be able to shed some light on things. You know, while it's just me and you here. My confused expression must have surprised Ben, because he frowned like something didn't make sense to him, like my reaction wasn't what he'd been expecting. And then something else passed across his face too, something like relief. Up ahead, over Ben's shoulder, I saw the body. I knew immediately it was Connor. I knew it was him even from a distance before I got close enough to smell the stench of his decomposing body. You might want to cover your nose, Graham. He's not a pretty picture. His irreverence surprised me. Connor had been his friend as well as mine. I would have expected Ben to be upset about Connor's death, cut up. But here, he seemed almost satisfied. The reason why would soon become clear. Connor's face was green and sunken in. His jaw was hanging open, dislocated at the hinges. I recoiled in shock as a small crab came skittering out of his right eye socket. Whether it had happened in the ocean or later when he'd washed up on land, something had eaten away Connor's eyeballs, leaving two bloody, gaping gaps where they should have been. It almost looked as if his eyes were pure black holes, just like his mouth. We found this in his pocket, Graham. I want you to take a look at it. I'm sorry, but... I think you need to see it, okay? 
Ben handed me a folded photograph. As I opened it, everything suddenly made sense. Ben must have suspected from the moment he found it. But me? I knew. I knew what Connor had done and what had been done to him in turn. I looked down at the crumpled picture in my hand. It was a photograph of my dear, lovely Susan. Completing tonight's double bill of terrors, we meet a woman who turns to a very different light to guide her. She's a cleaning lady at a church, and she isn't very happy that her beloved place of worship has been loaned out as the set of an indie horror movie. But in this tale, shared with us by Olivia White, perhaps the cleaning lady has a point. After all, The church was free of strange voices and malevolent presences before the film crew moved in. Performing this tale are Nicole Doolin and Jesse Cornett and David Cummings and Nicole Goodnight and Graham Rowett and Dan Zapula and Mike Delgadio and Addison Peacock. So bow your head and say your prayers, but be careful who's listening, especially if it's one of the Iscariot Eight. Wonderful service, Reverend. Thank you, Michael. Love that tie. See you at the viewing party tonight, Reverend? (laughs) Haha, wouldn't miss it. Oh, that was a beautiful sermon, Brian. Reverend. Oh, thank you, Lana. So, can I assume I'll be seeing you tonight? At the, uh, at the viewing party? Yes. Yes, of course, Reverend. I'm not good with horror movies, though. I'm sure I'll be hiding behind the couch for most of it. Oh, I'm sure the rest of us will look after you and hold your hand, my dear. <laughs> oh, it's hard to believe, isn't it? Our little church appearing in a Hollywood movie? <laughs> well, now, steady on. It's an indie movie, not quite on track to getting a cinematic release just yet. They did say they're doing the festival circuit, though, so you never know. It's possible. Well, (laughs) either way, I'm sure it'll do wonders for our church. It's pretty special. (laughs) It's sacrilege is what it is. (laughs) Oh, Marla, you are a dear. They filmed a movie here. They didn't perform Black Mass. Well... You don't know what they got up to here, do you? We weren't allowed in for two weeks. I wasn't even allowed in to clean. I haven't missed a week's cleaning since, well, ever. They could have been up to anything and we'd never know. Well, actually, we do know. Or we will tonight. Viewing party, yay! I trust you'll be there, Marla dear? No, no, I'm far too busy. No, it's it's not for me. 
Oh, come on, Marla. You have to be there. You're the heart of this congregation. Hmm. I'll see. Ah, there's a girl. Church hall at eight, remember? I'll be getting off now then, Reverend. Ciao. Hope to see you tonight, Marla. Psh. These youngins today. Heels scuffing up my flagstones. Ahem. <clears throat> well, I'll leave you to your cleaning, Marla. May God be with you. And please do try to come along tonight. You know it wouldn't be the same without you. God be with you too, Reverend. Bit of peace at last. Lord, give me strength. The state of this place. What in heavens? Oh dear. Little Timmy Norris left his robot thing behind. Ha! It's one of those transforming ones. Bill would have gotten a kick out of this. A robot that turns into a truck. Goodness me. It's like something out of the science fiction pulps. I'm sure little Timmy will be wanting his robot back. I'll drop it into him on the way home after I'm done cleaning. The Norrises. They're a nice family. Nice to see them doing well these days after some hard times. Oh, listen to me wittering on. I'm sure you must get sick of me. In here three times a week, chewing your ear off when you've no doubt got much better things to do. Like, you know, watching over the whole world. But Lord, let me tell you, I missed our little chats when the place was off limits. Yep, it was real weird being away. First time I've been back since they used the place for that awful film. Wouldn't even let me come in to clean up after them. Had to wait until today, and gosh, whoever cleaned up ready for the service today did not do a good job. Fingerprints all over the silver. Dust everywhere. Gosh, I don't know. Of course you know all this, Lord. The whole omniscient thing. You must have seen whatever they got up to, filming that movie in here. Or maybe you followed in my footsteps and took a vacation. Ha! Wouldn't that be something? The Lord leaving his own house while a bunch of Hollywood fashionistas go to town making a horror movie. Still, I couldn't blame you. Terrible it is. Disrespectful. Don't know what the Reverend was thinking allowing it. I voted against it at the church council meeting, you know. Of course you know that. But I did, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I was the only one. Can you believe it? Marla, they said, it'll bring some much-needed money in. 
Marla, you have to see reason. But I was outvoted anyway, so what did it matter what I thought? Oh, I know the money'll come in handy. This rising dam's not cleaning itself. The roof's not fixing itself. And oh, Lord, please tell me if I'm being a stubborn, cranky old woman. But it just doesn't feel right. Letting a house of God be used for... whatever they used it for. Ooh, ooh. It's almighty cold in here, isn't it? Or is that just me? These old bones aren't what they were. But I don't know. Lord, you must feel it too. Oh, it's different since we've been gone, isn't it? Ha! Hark at me. We, like you and I, just went off on vacation together. You've been here all the time, Lord. Haven't you? For the first time in all my years, I've got the fear that I'm talking to myself. Oh, what a terrible thing to say. I've never, ever doubted that you listen to me, Lord, like you listen to all your flock. It's not that. I feel your love. I'm sure of it. It's just... you know... Oh, the damp's getting worse, isn't it? So many black patches creeping up the walls. This place really does need some upkeep. I'm sorry if my own services have slipped, Lord. But I try my best. I do. Hmm? What was that? Somebody there? Reverend? Boy, come out if anyone's there. Boy, it's not nice to scare an old woman like this. Come on out, you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, you are there, aren't you? Oh, Lord! Oh, Lord! This is how it begins, isn't it? Jumping at noises that aren't there, getting paranoid, being an old silly, as Bill would have said. I know it, Lord. They think I don't know it, but I do. The dementia. That's what it is. It was that breakaway from cleaning for two weeks, I tell you. Idle hands, idle minds. 
Heavenly Father, please give me the strength to overcome this trial. I just want... I want things back the way they were. I want to feel the light of your love, oh Lord. Protect me. This isn't madness. It can't be. There's something here, isn't there, Lord? Something wrong. But we're in your house, Lord. The forces of Satan cannot hurt me here. Not while you protect me. Who's that? Who's there? <laughs> oh, it's fun to watch you quake in fear. You senile old crone. How dare you? How dare you speak to me like that? Come on out and face me. When the Reverend hears about this, he'll... He'll what? Exercise us? Call on your precious Lord to banish us from this place. <laughs> you write it down. Your God's not here anymore. This is our house now. It's our house now. Leave our house, Marla Carter. Leave it to the pigs and maggots and the flies. Leave it like your holy father left it. It's our house now. Lord, save me! Get it! Out! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill. Oh, Bill. You know I've always needed you. Every moment of my life since we first met. But today... Goodness, I could really, really use you right now. You know I love you, don't you, Bill? I've never stopped loving you. You've always been my true love from the moment we met. And you will be until my dying day. I wish we'd had more time together. Thirty-six is no age for a man to die. But, like always, you're still with me. I know you are. Which is why I need you right now. Something terrible happened in the church today. You know I've had those misgivings about the place being used for that awful horror movie, right? 
Well, I was cleaning today for the first time in two weeks, and something spoke to me. Something dark, something malevolent. And my first thought was, bless my soul, it's a demon. A demon's infested the church. And I believed that. I really did. Until I was walking home all panicked and frantic. And then the real terrible truth struck me. It's in my head, isn't it? It's the dementia. It got Gran, it got Mom, and it's getting me. Did they hear voices, Bill, before they got worse? I don't remember. I should remember. I don't remember anything about it. I can't even picture Gran's face. That's not normal, is it, Bill? Gran! She practically raised me, and I can't even picture her face. I can't picture her face. <laughs> oh, Bill. <laughs> oh, who in the blasted heck is that now? Sorry, Bill. Hold that thought. Hello, Reverend. Hello, Ms. Walker. Evening, Marla. Marla, hi. Oh, we thought we'd drop by to drag you out of this old, dingy house and down to the church hall for the viewing party. It's not good for an old dear like you to be cooped up all alone all the time. <sighs> I'm not alone. I have Bill. Does she know? I'm old, not deaf. Or senile. Yes, I know Bill's past many years ago. God rest his soul. I haven't quite slipped into dementia just yet. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I, I meant no offense. I was just... We worry about you, Marla, you know? You do so much for us, but it feels like you're always here alone. Nonsense. I have Bill, I have my books, my shows. And besides, I'm always at church functions. You know that. Aren't I, Reverend? I, I mean, often, yes. But oh, we'd really like you to come to the viewing party, Marla. Oh, yeah? And why is that, then? Well, we know you've had some misgivings about the church being used in this way, and... Well, we thought if you saw the movie, it might put your mind at rest. Oh? And have you seen it, Reverend? I was under the impression you hadn't. Well, no, but I know what it's about. I know it'll be good for the church, and... Marla, we'll level with you. It would mean a great deal to us if you'd come. If you could give this project your blessing, then it'd quiet the other murmurings in the congregation. Uh... I see how it is. And what's it to you anyway, Miss Sunday School teacher? 
Last I knew, what the rest of us congregation think shouldn't have much impact on you. Well, I'm just trying to help Brian, the reverend. It's his name on the contract after all. You know, Brian's done a lot for you, Marla. Ah, now, now, now. Come on, come on. We don't need to cajole her. Marla, we genuinely would like to see you there. Yeah, so get your coat. We're taking you out on the town. Oh, nope. Sorry, Reverend. Ms. Walker. Sorry if I'm being a blunt, curmudgeonly old woman, but I don't wanna. The church is what it is to me. I don't want to see it used like whatever they've used it like. And I don't feel up to going out tonight anyway. Now, if you don't mind, Bill's waiting on me. I've had a hard day. Goodbye. Have a good evening. Southern one, isn't she? Uh, <laughs> well, that that's our Marla. Surely she's getting a bit old for all this. I mean, does she even keep the church as clean as it needs to be? Marla's service is as good now as it was the day I came here. Well, okay. I worry she's not... She's fine. Marla's fine. You don't think she knows, do you? Ah, she doesn't know. Now, Ms. Walker, I believe we have a movie date to attend. <laughs> yes, Reverend. Oh, think I don't know, do you? You hear that, Phil? They think I'm a blind old fool. I know, I know. Turn the other cheek, Marla. Rise above it. That's what you'd say, and you'd be right, Bill. But on the other hand, it... Oh, what now? I already said I'm not going. Reverend, with all due respect, Hey, nobody there? Hello? Hello? Now, if this is one of you kids, is this Timmy Norris back to his old tricks? Oh, gosh, I forgot to take his robot back. Timmy, if that's you, I've got your toy here, so come out and show yourself before I have a word with your mother. No? Maybe I'm hearing things again. Oh, bed for me, I think.
Well, Lord, I'm back. You knew I would be, I'm sure. A little bit of dementia and hearing voices wouldn't keep me from my duties. Gosh, look at the mess. I don't know what they get up to on those Wednesday morning services. Oh, I bet this place could tell a few stories, huh? I bet you've seen a few things in your time between these walls, huh, Lord? Before I begin my duties, Heavenly Father, let me give thanks for what you've bestowed upon me. For all the years I had with Bill, rest his soul, even though they were too few. You took him, Lord, but I have faith that it was part of your plan. I also know that Bill would have told me to come right on up and get on with my cleaning, Dementia be damned. So here I am, Lord, ready to make your house spick and span again. Thank you for my health, failing though it is, and for the bounties you grant us all. Please look over Reverend Jameson and Timmy Norris and the rest. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh, in the blazing fires of hell, do you think you're talking to? Ah, uh, no. No, no, no. You're in my head. You're in my head. Stop. Go, go on. Dementia. Oh, that's adorable. Away. No, not today. Away, go. <laughs> oh, me. Oh, Marla. <laughs> It's true. You are a crazy old bitch with ever-increasing brain rot. But in this case, no. We're very much real. I'll tell you what you shouldn't be alarmed about. The way you rant on and on to your dead goddamn husband. For Christ's sake, the poor guy's lucky he's not around to hear you. Imagine having that droning crone in your ear 24-7. It's no wonder he threw himself face first into the corner. You shut up. You shut up. You're my brain rot. That's all you are. Oh! So, where were we? Face first into a corn picker. Good old Bill. You never knew that, did you? Me, Marla. An accident on the farm. Poor old Bill ain't coming home. But did you know? Did you know? He dived face first into the corn picker. One minute he was just there, overseeing whatever the shit that all-American Billy Boy oversaw, and the next... Hello, you... Whoa! Splat! Splat! <laughs> Face first. 
got his noggin splattered all over that there cornfield. They were picking pieces of Bill out of their flower for weeks. Bit of skull there, bit of cheek here. <laughs> into it face first. Apparently one worker heard him say... I just can't deal with hearing my darling wife, me or Marley, anymore. Are you face plant? <sighs> Wasn't he a handsome boy? Real American G.I. Joe. They do those movies. These days, don't they, Captain America? But that was Bill. That was only Bill's face went splat, splat, shred all over the golden cord. A real hoot and holler it was. But you didn't know this either, male Marla. Oh, I bet you didn't. Because all you thought about in the 50 years hence is Bill. There was a lad with him that day, a farm lad, new to the job, new, a fresh-faced little squirt who had barely a taste of fingering his girl, which is to say he was young. He saw it. He saw it all. He saw Bill fall or dive, <laughs> and it was like... Like it was in slow motion. Like a glorious, gory money shot. Boom! Suddenly, Bill's face was shredded red cabbage. So, he saw it, this boy. He saw your handsome golden husband get shredded. And within a year, this boy, he hanged himself in the barn. No, I don't like to spread tables, but they say he had his cock in his hand. And the last thing he thought about was your boy Bill and his face getting sliced to ribbons in, in that scream. <laughs> in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit... Give me strength to endure these demons of my mind. Give me the strength to overcome and... Don't you get it? Don't you fucking get it? You withdrawing dumb old hat. We're not in your head. We're the Iscariot We have you, Sir God, himself. This is our house now. We're not your dementia, you demented fucking shrew. We are here. We are real. And we are going to raise your fucking world to the ground. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as... Amazing grace. How sweet the sound to flay a wretch for me. <laughs> oh, 
as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. Bill was alive, but now he's ground. Ground up for all to see. Get behind me, Satan! <laughs> Satan! Oh, my dear. No, no, I'm sorry. We don't quite match up to the Lord of Darkness. Black holes, though, eh? Who or what are you, then? Why are you here in my Lord's house? What right do you have? Who are we? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Why? We're the Iscariot Eight, of course. I knew it. That's the name of the name of the greatest demons ever to walk the earth, or well, some of them anyway. Eight beautiful, virile, throbbing demons born of the guilt of Iscariot. Sure. You've heard of him, at least? The one who betrayed the Lord. Yes, I am familiar. Yeah, 30 pieces of silver, man. You like to polish the silverware, don't you? Ever get tempted to just... swipe a piece from this here church? Get your dues like Judy Boy. What am I saying? Of course not. You're an honest God-fearing woman. A real bore, in fact. A dried-up, barrel cunt whose single personality trait is being a widow for 50 years and doing a spot clean here and there. Pathetic. It's no wonder. Revy BJ and Lana Walker giggle about you while they're making nasty between the sheets on a Sunday afternoon. Imagine what Mom would say if she could see us now. (laughs) Reverend Jameson is a happily married man. I will not. I won't. Just cause you never look twice at another man's cock. Most people are normal. Me, oh Marla. Like a bit of slap tickle. Bill did. Oh, your precious husband, Bill. Why, there was this one girl, Florence. Do you remember her? That cheap little thing worked as a milkmaid. Big, big. Why, is she and Bill? They... No. No. No, 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 no more. I need a doctor. I can't do this. I can't hear these voices. I can't. I can't. I can't. I won't. Oh. <sighs>
My head. I can't go on like this. I've, I've never, never abandoned my job. Not before. I'm losing. I've lost. There is no Iscariot 8. There is nothing. Nothing. I am nothing. <laughs> I can't go on like this. I don't know how I can cope. I've lost the church. I've lost the Lord. <laughs> I am lost. <sighs> Beans. Ketchup. Egos. Hey, hey, Marla, hey. Oh, just what I need. The ever cheerful Ms. Walker. Marla, hey. Hey, how are you? Oh. Oh, hello, Ms. Walker. Sorry, I was in a world of my own just then. <laughs> you and your silly brain, am I right? Excuse me? So, hey, we missed you at the viewing party last Sunday. It would have been so nice to see you there. Yes, well, you know. Oh, and the movie? So good. It's really going to put our little church on the map. You should see it, Marla. You'd love it. I mean, really. I'm not exactly one for horror. Oh, but it's not a horror movie in the traditional sense. Very gory, though. Oh, boy, I love a bit of dismemberment. Yes, well... I'd better be getting off now. I've... And it's going to be great because people are going to want to come from all around to see the church where that happened. Uh, in the movie, of course. Oh, Marla, I, I can't give anything away, but wow. So powerful. I'm not really sure I want to know, Ms. Walker. Uh, let's just say, well, reverse crucifixion? If you can picture that? It's hard to explain. Gosh, it was so violent. Oh, I loved it. Ms. Walker, I have to be honest. You're making me rather uncomfortable. But it's great. We're going to get so many new congregation members. So many new suckers to put their hands in their pockets and hand over their cash. Wonderful. Suckers? Yeah, because... <laughs> oh, because they think they're giving their money to God, don't they? But that church, it's not the Lord's house anymore, is it? What? Oh, come on, Marla. You and I both know. The Iscariot 8? It's their house now. Please, leave me alone. It's their house now. It's their house now, Mio Marla. Leave me alone. No, go away. Stop. The power of Christ compels you. Get away from me, demon. Mm, Bill sends his regards from hell, cunt. Hey, hey, Mrs. Carter. Is everything okay? She's... she... Iscariot. Judas. 
Ms. Walker? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I was just saying hi, asking her how she was doing, and she suddenly freaked out on me. Went nuts. Properly crazy. Ms. Walker, please. Can't you see she's upset? Her upset? She slapped me. I should call the cops. Nobody's calling anyone. <gasps> Mrs. Carter, you're shaking. Look at me. Are you okay? What happened? She was... I was... Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Miss Walker. Lana, I'm so sorry. I... I'm... That really hurt, Marla. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's my head. I've been hearing things, seeing things. I thought you... You said... Hey, hey, Mrs. Carter, it's okay. It's okay. Calm down. Try to breathe. I really don't know what happened. I didn't do anything to her. I didn't... Davin? Maybe she needs a doctor. Well, she'll be fine. She just needs a breath of fresh air, maybe a warm drink. Don't you, Mrs. Carter? Fresh air, yes. And the church praying. Let's not worry about the church right now. Let's go outside and take a breath. My groceries. I haven't paid for my groceries. Ms. Walker, can you handle those? Tell Shirley on the checkout that I said they're on the house. Sure. I mean, sure, but... Thank you, Ms. Walker. Are you okay? Well, yeah, I'm fine. Marla's not exactly strong, but I'm just shaken. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. There. Isn't that better? Oh, Lord. What must people think of me? I slapped that poor girl. Well, from what I hear, it's not undeserved. Hmm? What do you mean? <laughs> oh, no, no. Nothing. Uh, forgive me, ma'am. I spoke out of turn. I need to pray. I need to get up to the church so I can pray. But the church... It's not right. Why do you need to go to the church to pray? What do you mean? Well, you know, I go to church on a Sunday because, well, because of the social aspect. I, it's nice to see other people, to get out, away from the store. But my faith, it's in here, in my heart. I don't need the church to talk to God. Heck, I have most of my conversations with the Almighty in the stockroom. But the church is where... The Lord listens wherever you are when you talk to him. I promise you that, Mrs. Carter. Now, let's see about those groceries. Oh, Bill... Oh, Bill, what's happening to me? Two days ago, I slapped Lana Walker in full view of everyone at the grocery store. I thought she was... She was the Iscariot 8. But it's in my head, isn't it? It's all in my head. I haven't shown my face since. I thought the Reverend might drop by, but nobody has. I'm so ashamed. 
I want to be with you, Bill. For the first time in my life since you first passed. I want to give up and be with you. I want to sit down in my comfy chair and go to sleep and never wake up. I could do it, too. They say suicide's a sin. But I know that God would forgive someone for ending their own suffering. God's love isn't conditional. If I did this, if I took these, I know he'd still welcome me with open arms. Wouldn't you, Lord? Davin was right about this. I don't need the church to talk to you. Maybe that's why I've been imagining all these horrible things. To show me where I belong. Here, at home, with Bill, with you, my Lord. Where I should close my eyes for good. Is this what I should do, Lord? Please show me a sign so I know if I'm on the right path. Well then. Bless my soul. Now if that isn't a sign... Oh, uh, hello, Reverend. Didn't expect to see you here. Good evening, Marla. So nice to see you. May I come in? It's not a bad time, is it? No, no, I mean, no, it's not a bad time. Please come in. No Ms. Walker with you tonight, then, Reverend? And what do you mean by that? Oh, nothing. Just that last time you dropped by, she was with you. I meant nothing by it, Reverend. Let me put a pot of tea on. That would be divine. Thank you, Marla. So, what brings me the pleasure of your company tonight, Reverend? Oh, you know, this and that. This and that? Listen, if this is about the grocery store... Or my poor job on Wednesday, or... I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about, Marla. No, no, that's not why I'm here. I did hear you gave that bitch a good crack, though. I prefer going for her ass, but... Uh, good job, me, oh, Marla. Excuse me, Reverend. I didn't quite catch that. Oh, I think you heard me perfectly well. You're mad, not deaf. Reverend, please. Reverend, please. Reverend, please. Try the Iscariot 8, me, oh, Marla. <coughs> ah! Church is our house now, but I think we'll take this one next. Mara's cozy little home that she shares with her dead husband, Billy. Ain't it a peach? 
on out, you crazy old coot. We got some more of them sweet mixture hallucinations for you. Or... And we move past that now. You convinced we're real yet? Real as Bill? Or at least as real as Bill was before he face-fucked a corn picker. And now he lives in your head. But we live in your church. For now, anyway. But hey, me or Marla? Where are we now? We're in your house. Getting stronger. Where will we go next? For that matter, where are you? Uh, no matter. We'll find you soon enough in this punky old hovel you call a home. Hey! Mio Marla, where do you think you'll go next? Maybe we'll go visit Dave and Carlos. Oh, he was so nice to you after you gave this succulent Lana Walker a backhander. But you know what? He's given a few women backhanders in his life. Oh, yes. Before he moved here, our Dave and Carlos had a real temper. Dislocated one girlfriend's jaw back in the 70s. Maybe we'll go visit old Mr. Craig Peterson. He's not quite old enough to be a Nazi war criminal, but golly, does he regret this fact. You should see his attic, Marlon. Filled with Third Reich memorabilia and every night, every goddamn night. Quiet old Mr. Peterson goes up there and does the straight arm salute. Wipes a tear from his eyes as he thinks about all the things he missed out on doing to those Jews. Maybe we'll go visit the nice middle-aged couple. The Warwicks. Oh, you like them, don't you, Marla? Went to their home for Thanksgiving last year, Reva. Remember the dog, Buddy, Marla? Big old dumb golden retriever. Well, they had another dog before that. Back when they lived in the city. Back when Mrs. Warwick used to drink. Chip, he was called. And Chip, boy, did he like to bark. Boy, did he like to play havoc with Mrs. Warwick's hangovers. So she stopped feeding him. She just stopped. And Mr. Warwick, he's such a little constant that he let her. Didn't even dare sneak poor Chip. The smallest of table scraps. 
The animal rescue people carried him out of the apartment in the nick of time. But hey, Chip went on to recover and live a long, healthy life on a farm. We wouldn't gloat about animal death. We're not monsters. Or maybe we'll visit the Norrises. Their boy, Timothy Norris. Oh, speaking of... You never gave him his robot back, did you? Oh, no matter. Well, Timmy Norris, he's young. Isn't he? He hasn't had a chance to do anything bad. Not yet. Ooh, but ooh, boy, just wait till you hear what that young man's gonna do to his first boyfriend when he's in high school. It's a scream! No! No more of your lies! You release Reverend Jameson this instant and you be gone from my house, you foul hell spawn. <laughs> there you are. Me, Elmira. And no, don't worry, we're not quite capable of possession just yet. Your blessed Reverend Jameson is home and safe right now. Well, he's in... Someone's home anyway. Lana Walker is to be precise. And trust me, even you would blush if you knew where he's sticking his crucifix right now. <laughs> but enough about what the nun said to the priest. You want to see what we really look like? On your head, be it. Stronger men than you have clawed their own eyes out at the side of us. Kudos, bitch. But you're beginning to bore us, me, oh Marla. So go on. Do something a foolish old bat like you would do. Go fall down the stairs and break your neck. Or swallow your own tongue. You really don't care, just make it painful. I will not. If you want me dead so badly, you can do it yourself. Ha! You can't, can you? You can't do it. You can't touch me. You're an illusion. You're in my head. We are not in your head, you stubborn cunt! And you're not in my house. You can't hurt me. You can't touch me. You're pathetic. You're impotent. You're a pale imitation of your lord. Just like your namesake. You make me sick. Now go, 
Get! Get out of my God-blessed house! Oh, oh. You're a smart one. It won't be long now, Marla. We get stronger every day. And next time, Leo, Marla, you will feel our fingers around your throat. Okay, okay, Lord God in heaven. This church is just a building. It's not an anchor. It's not where you reside. I feel you. I feel your love. You are within me, within all of your flock. And I know one church doesn't matter. I know your love and your presence is everywhere. But I've kept this one church clean three times a week for the last 65 years of my life. I've never missed a single day. And there's no way I'm letting some slithering hellspawn make a mess of it now. It's time to clean house. Iscariot, come out, you cowards. Face me! Oh, <laughs> Mio Marla's got her game face on. What are you gonna do? Polish us to death. If that's what it takes. You. Hideous, demented old boot. You don't even know whether we're real or product of your decaying brain. Oh, I know all right. You're real. Whatever you are, you're real. Finally. Jesus. So, if you are real, I want answers. How did you get here? What did they do to this place when they filmed that movie here? <gasps> ha! 
You want to know the most beautiful part of this? That movie had nothing to do with it. It's just a movie. It meant nothing. No, Marla. Me. Oh, Marla. It wasn't a movie crew. It was. Me? How? Oh, calm yourself. You don't need to pull a tortured soul act. It wasn't your fault. It was your absence. The movie shoot coincidentally kept you away from this place for two weeks. And you, my dear, you're the soul of this little building. You're the one who keeps it shining. And without you here to keep it shining, the rot set in. And with the rot, we came. Looking down on me from heaven. I know it, just like I know the Father himself bathes me in his love. I am loved. And you, you are nothing. You're not even hated. Who even knows you exist? Just me, a senile old woman. And that drives you mad, doesn't it? Because none of the others have even sensed your presence. You're so utterly pitiful that I'm the only one who's even noticed or cared. You are nothing. And as for the others, the Lord forgives sins. He loves. That's what he does. And I forgive just as he would have me do. Because he loves them. I love them. He even loves you. You and you are nothing. Now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be gone from this place. I cleanse it of your rot. No. Your faith is too strong. 
Is it really over? It's over, Marla. You did good, then. Bill? Oh, Bill. Is it really you? It's me, baby. It's me, loving you like the day we met. Oh, Bill. It's been so hard. <laughs> Without you, I knew that one day I'd see you again. Bill, I love you so much. I love you too, babe. Oh, Bill. It's so good to hold you again. To feel your muscles under my fingers. To feel your arms around me. You always liked to be held tight, didn't you, babe? Bill, I'm an old woman now. And you're still so young. So strong. Strong, eh? Yeah. I mean, you're kind of hurting me even. So tight. Tight. Just how you like it, right? Ah. 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 Bill, you're hurting me. You're... <laughs> it was really that easy. One glimpse of your fancy man, and you fell straight into his... our arms. Good God. You really are a daft old bitch. Uh, Bill, let go of me. Uh, my chest. Uh, We're not Bill, are we? Oh, come on, surely you didn't fall for this. It's the oldest trick in the book. Please. No. And wow, hey, you feel that, Marla? You feel our grip getting tighter and tighter, squeezing, cracking, crushing the life out of you? Well, guess what? Looks like we can touch you after all. Right in the place you like. Right in the church. Who art in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom What's that? We can't hear you. And if we can't hear you, God, sure can't. I can't believe you fell for that. What the fuck? You fucking cunt! Our eyes! Not quite holy water, but industrial strength bleach is the next best thing. You see... I figured 
If you could touch me, then I could touch you. And I could hurt you. Lord, I'm sorry. But this cross is the heaviest thing I can get my hands on. Now get the hell out of my church! The church is clean. I just need to catch my breath, take a seat. never did give Timmy his toy back. Still, of all the regrets to have left. Lord God, Bill, I'm coming home. I'm Sunday morning. She does, but you know what she's been like lately. <laughs> oh, do I? Crazy old bitty slapped me, remember? Lana, be nice. <laughs> like you were this morning, Reverend? I thought you were rather wicked. Ah, uh, hello? Is anyone there? Wait, Marla? Oh, God, it's her. Did she hear us? Maybe she'll forget. Lana, I, I don't think... Oh, oh no. Oh my. Oh no. Oh no, Marla. Oh no. What? What is it? Oh, she's... She's passed. Oh, looks like her heart just gave out. Oh no! Oh, oh no! Marla! That... Wow! That hurts! Oh, Heavenly Father, bless the soul of your devoted servant, Marla Carter. Welcome her into your embrace in the warmth of heaven, and give those of us she's left behind.
As today's service draws to a close, we all remember Marla Carter, a stoic, strong, warm-hearted woman who served the church for, well, a lot longer than I've been here. Marla was beloved by everybody who met her, and we pray that she'll find eternal rest in the Lord's arms. Marla's funeral will be held here on Wednesday. All donations are to go to the Church Restoration Fund, as per Marla's wishes. In happier news, and something that we hope would have brought a smile to Marla's face, we're proud to announce that The Iscariot 8, the movie filmed recently in this very church, has been snapped up by a major Hollywood distribution company. That means, as per the terms of our agreement, the funds coming in will be considerably more than we could have hoped. Enough to do something about the rising damp Marla was always complaining about, and enough to fix the roof. And, well, enough to keep our little church running for a long time to come. As you all know, Marla gave her full support to the Iscariot 8 project, and it's with a heavy heart that I can't share this news with her personally. But I've had a word with the filmmakers, and they agree to place a dedication to Marla Carter in the movie's end credits. So her own dedication and sacrifice will be known throughout the world. We can only hope that Marla would be proud of what we've achieved here, and that in using some of the proceeds to fund the upkeep of the church, we're doing our beloved Marla proud, just as she did us proud for all those years. Marla Carter, thank you. You will be missed. And now we close with our final hymn. We hope you enjoyed this journey into the distant past of Season 12 bonus content, if you haven't heard the stories before. And if you have, and you're still listening, then I guess you listen to them again, and we hope you enjoyed them as much a second time around. Normal service will resume next week. Olivia's performed a blood ritual to improve her health, and we've sent a crack team of ghouls to recover Phil. Nearly all the pieces of him are back now, so the new decade will continue as normal with episode four next week. In the meantime, I've been Jessica McAvoy, and this has been the new decade episode 3.5, Disaster Hiatus. audio production is copyright 2020 by creative reason media inc all rights reserved the copyrights for each story are held by the respective authors 
No duplication or reproduction of this audio program is permitted without the written consent of Creative Reason Media, Inc.